590, 106.9 FM, WKZO. Good morning once again and welcome to Nature Watch. Nature Watch, sponsored by Waddell's Nursery Floral Garden Burden Holiday Center at the corner of Milliman 12th Street. And now here he is, your host for Nature Watch, Mr. Gary Miller. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Good. Uh, I mentioned when I came in that uh, it was a little foggy. It's just a lot foggy out there in a lot of spots. So. Yeah, I was going to say in some of the rural areas, I'm pretty sure that yeah, it, uh, it it's comes a and little goes when you're going down the road. So. A little froggy. If we had a foghorn, we'd play it, but we don't yeah. have one. That's okay. <laughs> Probably could load something up on the phone or something. And That's play it. true. <laughs> it's, technology is a wonderful thing. Yes, it is. So, uh, first show of the winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, winter officially arrived Thursday evening at 10:27 p.m. and. Uh, yeah, of course we don't have in. winter-like weather out there right now. No, and I think we have El Nino to blame for this. But yes, it, look, uh, Jim and I, uh, Lalas and I, talked about that last week too. But uh, gosh, this weather—we've been so warm this this December so far. We've had a few cold spots, and we had snow earlier this week. And it looks like in the forecast that maybe next weekend we might have a little bit of snow. There we go. Uh, chance Just of it. in time uh, for New Year's Eve. Oh, boy. Yeah, a typical New Year's Eve, I guess. It seems like most years New Year's Eve is a little uh, nasty yeah. weather-wise. So uh, some uh, neat events coming up. Uh, I will mention the Audubon uh, Christmas bird count again. That's still ongoing uh, through the 5th of January. So uh, go to audubon.org and uh, uh, go to actually, uh, they'll have a map. You can zoom in on the map and find out. I know a couple of the counts in the Kalamazoo, southwestern Michigan area have already occurred. There's actually quite a few coming up yet, um, even after Christmas. So uh, take uh, take a look at that. If you want to volunteer, uh, contact that local uh, coordinator. Um Another neat uh, one coming up, uh, Kellogg Bird Sanctuary. Um, they have another birds and coffee online chat. And uh, that actually occurs every second Wednesday of each month. Um, it's an online uh, Zoom connection. So you do need to register ahead of time. It's free. Um, they register ahead of time so you can get the link. Um, so they have all sorts of neat topics that they talk about with uh, staff from the bird sanctuary. And they usually have guests in there too. And uh, Looking at uh, some uh, happened to catch something this week, uh, Wolf Lake State uh, Fish Hatchery, um, even though the Visitor's Center is closed for the mm-hmm. winter, um, they actually have some uh, neat events coming up uh, here in the next month or so. Um, the uh, 20th of January, they actually have a lantern-lit trails um, from 6 to 8 p.m. on Saturday, January mm-hmm. 20th, and uh, they're going to have a one-mile loop with lit lanterns and candles, and you can enjoy a evening walk through the winter season uh, um, on Wolf Lake's nature trails. And they're going to have hot cocoa and s'mores provided by a bonfire, too. So if it's really cold, you get the warm-up inside and out. Um, And then they uh, actually have beginner bird walks every month. Um, The next one occurring is January 6th at 9 a.m. So on the way out there, you can listen to Nature Watch on the radio and uh, get inspired to do some bird watching. Yeah. Um, So they do that. Um, It's... uh, led by experienced birders from the Audubon Society of Kalamazoo. And uh, they focus on birding fundamentals, um, any age, um, and skill level welcome. They actually ask that you bring binoculars, but they have binoculars available too if you need some. And uh, those take place anytime they have, unless they have special events at the fish hatchery or extreme weather. So if we're going into winter and we might have some extreme weather, though, with El Nino, I'm not sure that's going to happen this year. So um, it's actually a neat place to walk uh, if you have a chance uh, any season around Wolf Lake State Fish Hatchery because uh, uh, in the middle of summer, they've got all sorts of wildflowers to, to observe besides cool. looking at all the fish ponds and that. And uh, makes it pretty interesting uh, to, to walk out there. So um, 
I don't know. This might be an easy uh, trivia question this morning. We'll All see, right. Uh, see uh, how uh, folks are, how awake they are. Maybe they've seen something in the news this last week. So uh, my trivia question this morning is, what animal was rescued this past week from a drainage structure at Wolf Lake's State Fish Hatchery? So and again, it's not what, a fish. And it's not a fish. And it's not a fish. And not a fish. Yeah. Fish probably wouldn't get stuck. Well, they could get stuck in a drainage well, structure depending on the out. size of drainage structure and size of fish. So what animal was rescued this past week from a drainage structure at Wolf Lake State Fish Hatchery? There we and go. We'll see how awake people are this morning. All right, 382-4280-877-382-4280. And again, I need to to caution callers about two things. Number one, make sure your radio is turned down when you call us. <laughs> and the, the, the most important one is uh, because Gary and I are here by ourselves, We have a, I have a unique way of having to answer the phone. I will pick the receiver up and then put you on hold automatically without saying anything. So I'm not hanging up on you. And Jim's the only one with a phone. I don't I'm, even have a phone. Yeah, Gary me, so. doesn't even have the phone. <laughs> well, there's so, one of us handling phones this so morning. So when I, when I pick up the receiver, then I'll put you on hold, and then we'll put you on the air. So, uh, but that's, that's the way that we have to do it here. Uh, so anyway, 382 It's a $20 gift card to Waddell's. And the question is, once again, sir? What animal was rescued this past week from a drainage structure at Wolf Lake State Fish Hatchery? All right, there you go. We'll yeah. see, see if anybody had caught that this week. Yeah, so. if they saw the news story. Yeah. Um, Everybody's frantically Googling out there. Yeah. It's going to take a little bit of work to find it Googling. I tried it last, Obviously, last not, night myself. So. We're not getting any phone calls right now, yeah. so it's, but, you know, they'll Well, maybe they'll people are still sleeping. They're a little drowsy, haven't had uh, that first full cup of coffee be, or so. Could be. So could something be. else I ran across this week, uh, and Jim and I were talking before we came on air, um, USDA issued a press release this week, and... Uh, the title of it is USDA Issues Permit for Santa's Reindeer to Enter the U.S. That's so nice of them. Uh, and it, it's actually, I, so I'm going to read parts of this because it's actually uh, quite entertaining. So this was issued on uh, Thursday. And uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, USDA, Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, also known as APHIS, A-P-H-I-S, today issued a transit permit to Mr. S. Nicholas Claus of the North Pole, a distributor with Gifts and Good Cheer, Inc. The permit will allow reindeer to enter and exit the United States between the hours of 6 p.m. on December 24, 2023 and 6 a.m. on December 25, 2023, local time, through or over any U.S. border port. USDA is delighted to grant Mr. Claus and his reindeer a special permit to enter the United States, ensuring a seamless journey for the joy they bring each holiday season, said Jenny Lester Muffet. Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs. We extend a warm welcome to Mr. Claus and recognize the vital role of U.S. milk and cookies in fueling his festive flight. Veterinary officials ensured the reindeer met all entry requirements before issuing the permit. Dr. Rosemary Sifford, USDA's chief veterinary officer, stated, at a recent inspection, the reindeer were found to be healthy and able to prance and paw with each hoof. And I know that That might be of concern of... uh, uh, you know, those farmers listening out there and make sure those reindeer don't bring any diseases in. That's true. And I'm pretty sure that it's Santa keeps his reindeers very, very yeah. healthy. And it was noted on the health certificate that one reindeer, Rudolph, has a minor physical anomaly. However, APHIS indicated that Rudolph's red nose, while bright, was normal for him and not a concern. APHIS regulates the movement of cervids, including reindeer, to protect the health of America's livestock population. The permitting process provides assurance that only healthy animals enter the United States. 
USDA has confirmed that the reindeer will arrive pulling a wooden sleigh with jingling bells attached filled with brightly wrapped gifts. Port personnel will clean and disinfect the runners and underside of the sleigh at the time of entry. They will also conduct a short visual inspection of the reindeer. Mr. Claus has been asked to disinfect his boots and thoroughly wash his hands. There we go. These measures are intended to prevent the entry of any livestock diseases the team may encounter during deliveries to farms and houses around the world prior to entering the United States. Mr. Claus also provided an advanced list of what port personnel should inspect upon their arrival. This includes a variety of food items, all of which come from approved locations and none of which pose a threat to U.S. animal or plant health. It's important that Gifts and Good Cheer, Inc. take all the right steps and precautions to protect against the potential introduction of pests and diseases, explained Mr. Claus. I appreciate USDA's assistance every year as we gear up for our big night. So whether you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, Bodhi Day, Nathabuena, Winter Solstice, Kwanzaa, Diwali, or other holidays during this time of year, USDA wishes you a happy and healthy season full of time-honored traditions and celebrations. There we go. So USDA is on the ball. That's wonderful to know. Yes, they are. It is cool. We have a caller who has been patiently holding. Um, so let's uh, let's go to the caller. Good morning. Who is this? This is Al. Al, how are you this morning? Very well, thank you. Good. Well, I'm glad you're holding. So you know the question uh, that a uh, uh, animal rescued out at the Wolf Lake Fish Hatchery this week from a, a drainage dra- a drain, right? A drainage structure. Drainage structure. Do you know what animal that was? It was a beaver. There we that, go. That is correct. Go Al. Yeah. <laughs> All right, huh. that is cool. Did now? Okay, we got to be honest here. Did you have to look that up? My uh, wonderful wife found it. All right, <laughs> so you're going to share the card with her, right? <laughs> Absolutely. All right, congratulations. Well, that's cool. I um, do you uh, do you live in an area where you have beavers out there, or do you know? Or uh, we we yes, we have a stream by our area that does have beavers. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Al, congratulations. You win the gift card from uh, Gary and Waddell's and everyone. Now, here comes the other part of this fun. I'm going to put you on hold, and you need to, to stay on hold again for a few minutes until I can get back. We'll get some information, and we'll get the uh, your prize out to you as soon as we can, okay? Will do. Merry All right. Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too, sir. Hang on just a second, and we'll put Al on hold and get ready to uh, take a break here. I, I just wanted to mention, when I was stationed in uh, West Germany in the Army, uh, on Christmas Eve slash into Christmas Day, we would get reports from NORAD oh, yes. about Santa's whereabouts and, and whatnot. It was always a lot of fun. Yes, to, uh, yes. To, we yeah, were, I think they still do that every year. Yeah, we were, we're, six, hours, we were six hours ahead Correct. of the United States. So uh, he was flying over us before he'd get to you guys, which, was, which is cool. So yes, yes. anyway, good stuff. All right, well, we will be back. Gary's got all sorts of stuff, including, I think, uh, some uh, tidbits about reindeer, yes. if I'm not mistaken. So well, we'll be back with Nature Watch with Gary Miller here in just a few moments on WKZO. This Christmas season is a great time to let friends and family know how much you appreciate them. Your friends at Waddell's Nursery Florist and Garden Center are thankful for you, and they're letting their wonderful customers know just how much they're appreciated. Waddell's wants to thank you by giving you a free $10 Waddell's gift card when you purchase a $50 gift card. That means you could get a $50 gift card for a friend and keep the $10 gift card to use on your next visit to Waddell's. Or give the $50 gift card to one person 
and the $10 to another. Gift cards never expire and they can be used any time of the year. But don't delay because today is the last day to get your free $10 Waddell's gift card with the purchase of a $50 gift card. You can purchase up to five and get five $10 cards free. Merry Christmas and thank you from Waddell's Nursery Florist and Garden Center. Technology. Here you go. <laughs> we are back to Nature Watch. WKZO News Time is 8.44. Gary Miller with us. And yeah, so did, a little, little interesting story about the beaver, and then we'll get into some of the reindeer facts. All right. Um, so the beaver was about a half-size, um, half-grown uh, beaver, and uh, so the staff at Wolf Lake State Fish Hatchery actually rescued it and released it again. And uh, one might think, oh, gosh, it got stuck once. Is it going to get stuck again? Um, our beavers are pretty intelligent, so I don't think it'll get stuck again. It might have been trying to create a little dam in that drainage structure. Um, I've seen that occur. I know typically we think of beaver dam, dams of being uh, made out of you know wood, and they pack mud in and uh, create those dams. I have seen beaver dams in drainage structures in a culvert that they use mud and corn stalks, and they were very efficient with it because it worked. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's uh, interesting. Uh, so beavers are the largest rodent in North America and the second largest in the world. Uh, the capybara from South America is the largest. And uh, beavers' teeth, which are orange due to their protective coating, grow continuously throughout its lifetime. So sometimes they gnaw on trees just to keep those teeth and keep them trimmed back. Um, the front part of their teeth are very hard. The back part of their tooth is not as hard. It's a little softer. And so... They, uh, when they're gnawing on one wood, they actually um, get a nice fine honed edge on those teeth, so they're very sharp uh, and uh, maintain that. Uh, another interesting fact I, I happen to run across beavers do not have the ability to burp, but really? they can pass gas. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so well, a little, little interesting tidbit about beavers you yeah. can share around the you know, Christmas tree and uh, your chat. And hey, guess what I learned about beaver this week? Uh, they, uh, not only, not only on trees for nourishment, but again, to wear their teeth down. And uh, their tails are different shapes. So sometimes they're very round. Sometimes they're elongated. It's a unique. They have actually family traits. So, oh, I see you've got your dad's tail. <laughs> uh, so it's okay. uh, interesting. You get different shapes on it. So sometimes you, um, when you're studying beaver and you get to see a lot of them, you can probably identify which family group they came from hmm. uh, just by the shape of their tail. Um, a single beaver may cut down as many as 200 trees in one year. Wow. Now, realize most of those are little saplings. Um, they use smaller trees uh, to, uh, you know, for food, obviously. Uh, a lot of times they'll uh, you know, eat poplar or cottonwood, birch, small birch saplings and that. Um, those are their primary food sources, so they will eat some other trees and, and that. But I have seen uh, beaver uh, where they've had activity in actually chewing around a rather large tree, like a 24- or 27-inch diameter tree. Mm, that would uh, take some time. That would take some time. They hadn't finished gnawing through it yet. So uh -huh. I'm guessing they're just using that for sharpening their teeth, making sure they stay uh, short. Um, giant ancient beavers were as large as grizzly bears. Really? So very, oh. very big. Um, and their teeth are about, uh, the beaver's teeth are about two inches long. They also produce a secretion called castorium, which has a pleasant taste and is occasionally used as vanilla flavoring. So yeah, I saw that in a cooking episode one time. Yeah, so Beaver so, castorium. Yeah, so um, might want to use it before you find out where exactly it came from in the beaver. But uh, <laughs> uh, 
it's uh you know obviously it's uh, used as a safe food product that goes through all sorts of um uh, research when they've used it mm-hmm. and uh, actually gets inspected in that uh, another interesting tidbit i found out and one one of the sites i was looking for is that beavers were declared to be fish by the church so practicing catholics catholics could eat their tails for lent oh okay <laughs> so beaver tails are actually considered a delicacy and there's a, that's where they store a lot of their fat for the winter mm-hmm. and uh so they uh you know people that eat have a chance to eat beaver tail uh Officially, they can from the Catholic Church. They can eat it during Lent. Oh, on Fridays. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, be- beavers stay in their lodges pretty well all winter long. They uh, store food and they actually weight it down usually with rocks or, or that um, at the bottom of their uh, water that they're in. And they have their lodge usually in that pond that gets created behind the dam. Thus, they've got deeper water, so it keeps them safer from predators. And even though their lodges are above the water surface and that water may freeze over in the wintertime, predators typically can't get into those lodges mm-hmm. because of the mud and all the the uh, wood that they've got in there. Um, it's usually quite thick. They do leave a little vent hole at the top so they get fresh air in. And uh, when it's really cold out, you'll see steam rising from that little vent hole. And many uh, predators, you know, wolves and, and even bear, have been uh, very frustrated. They, try to, they can smell them, they can hear them, they can't get to them. They can't get to them. Uh, well, so that's good for the beavers. Yes, it is. Uh, they're they're actually very good for uh, for nature because they create a lot of habitat for other animals, mm-hmm. and uh, they actually do work really good for storm uh, water control. Okay, um, they slow that water down and uh, get the sediments to settle out. Uh, so long term, uh, you know, we're we're seeing a lot more beaver activity now. They need to be in the right spot, though. Sometimes they're not uh, to have their dams constructed in the right spot yeah. and they cause some damage in that. So it. Uh, Makes it uh, a little frustrating for people, but I've, I've seen a lot of sign of beaver in the in Southwest Michigan, uh, up in the Upper Peninsula. Uh, Got to be very quiet if you want to try to see them because uh, usually um, dawn or dusk is the best time because it's okay. not quite as dark, uh, bright out, and you have to be really quiet. Their hearing is excellent. Uh, they're not very don't move very fast on land. Uh, they move pretty fast in the water, and. Uh, Usually, usually most times when you know a beaver around, if you haven't seen the lodge or the dam, is you hear that slap of the tail on the water, which is a warning sound. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you're probably not going to see them. They can hold their breath for up to 15 minutes. Wow. Um, they can swim as far as half a mile. So if you happen to see one or you hear one, it might be a long ways away before it uh, surfaces again. Yeah, it's and, on its uh, way up. So it actually protects them quite a bit. All right. Oh. Uh, Hang well, on, we have a phone call. Oh. So uh, let's uh, hopefully they're still there. Good morning. Welcome to Nature Watch. Who's this? Morning. Uh, it's Jenny. Hi, Jenny. How are you? You have a, a comment or a question for Gary? Uh, yeah, I hope it's not the subject to really. Let me just turn my radio on. Yeah, there you go. Um, but I was just, we have not seen any cardinals. I'm really wondering why. Well, we've had, um, I, I've not seen a lot of them around right now. Uh, Right yet, um, you know, obviously with that bright red, they're easy, the male cardinals are easy to spot. With all the food that's out there available out in nature, and we haven't had a lot of snow cover for most of the time this fall, they're still um, harvesting seeds and berries that they can find out uh, in, in the wild. And so uh, they may not be coming into the bird feeder uh, feeders quite yet, uh, or not very often. Um, usually once we get start getting snow cover in that, then we start seeing a lot more activity, and uh, it's easier for them to get seed uh, and food from the uh, bird feeders. Uh, I've not seen many at my feeders either. 
And uh, just okay. just because it's been so warm, I'm guessing that they may even be finding a few insects here and there, yeah. um, as warm as it's been. So, um, oh, sure. Don't, don't don't give up. Um, you, you know, at some point it'll get oh, cold enough, awesome. and they'll exhaust most of those uh, food source out in the wild, and they'll be coming into the bird feeders. Yeah, some point in time when winter comes back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, good. Then I we were we've been really watching, and we keep looking out, and and I know that females are hard to identify, but um, but very very good. Okay, well that's what we, I, okay. Yeah. Thank you. And so the much. and the cardinals typically in the winter time will um, usually stay in some fairly small flocks. You see a lot of them uh, together, or sort of together, um, including the males. They're very territorial during the breeding season, but uh, in winter time they actually tolerate each other very well, and. Uh, most times you'll see the males more frequently than the female. The female seems to be a little more timid. Uh, they'll usually get fe- uh, female in at the feeder too. And uh, they're really the same size as the male. They got more brown. They got that little bit of rose red tint to those brown feathers. Uh, but they still have the crest on top of the head. And uh, but I've noticed typically at the feeders, so I'm wondering if maybe because they uh, tend to be monogamous, um, that uh, those male cardinals may be taking some seed back for, for the wife. There you go. Uh, oh, interesting. Um, well, uh, okay. Well, I love your show, by the way. Thank oh, you. Thank you very much. Yep. Well, okay. Well, thank you. All right. You're very welcome. Have a Merry Christmas. Uh, and uh, we appreciate you calling in, Jenny. Thank you. That's, yeah. We haven't seen many either, but yeah, I figure it's because of the Yeah, it's, it's about usually this time of year, there's enough food source out there that they're going to um, exhaust that when it's mm-hmm. easy to get to yet, um, especially those seeds uh, from those. Those shorter plants and grasses and that that are going to get covered with snow or knocked down with snow at some point, and uh, you know they got a, they got a variety that way too. They've got berries that are out there yet yeah. uh, on various plants, and once that gets exhausted, then they're, they're really their main food source is going to be you know what they can find yet that's not been covered up by snow or been eaten, and or bird feeders you know seed at bird feeders. So they're going to um, you know sometimes take that easier route too, especially when it gets cold. It mm-hmm. takes energy to go search for food, and so if they have an easier way to stay warm and not expend a lot of energy just looking for food, they really appreciate that. Yeah, I bet. they survive much better. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, interesting. You know, you get the, those cycles, and sometimes you'll see uh, birds coming into a feeder for a while, and then you don't see them for a while. It's just uh, you, know, you watch the weather because most times when it warms up and it's a little warmer, you know, sometimes they'll go out and forage also elsewhere. Yeah, uh, just to find some of those other food sources. So the next few days, uh, if you don't get a lot of activity, that's why. Yeah, wait, wait, yeah. wait another week or so, you probably yep. start seeing a lot more activity again. Uh, so going back to the reindeer, that would be a good topic for today, being we're uh, two days from Christmas. Uh, there uh, are reindeer in Europe and Asia, northern Europe and Asia, and there's also reindeer in North America, Canada and Alaska primarily. Here they're called caribou, and the caribou tend to be a little larger than the reindeer that you get in Eurasia. And uh, they, uh, Eurasian reindeer is really the only domestic species of deer um, hmm. there. And reindeer are also the only species of deer in which the females usually have antlers. And so there's always that discussion of yes. Santa's reindeer and having antlers really realistically um they're all female there's a meme on facebook that says there's there's a good reason why santa can find his way around the world because all of the reindeer are women are female yes and yes. that's that's how you know so so the male reindeer typically shed their antlers after the the fall rut um and so by about the first part of december very few male reindeer have have antlers anymore 
the females typically don't shed their antlers until like end of January, into February. And so it's much later. And uh, so all, all those uh, stories about the reindeer, I think they're uh, females. And mm-hmm. Impersonating men, I guess. Well, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know that's that's in television history that has happened quite a few times. Where, but that's our. You know, so, so reindeer have actually the largest set of antlers for body mass of all deer, including moose. So their antlers really? can be very large. Um, a mature male forest reindeer can have an antler spread of over five feet. Wow! So they're huge, and uh, some of the caribou herds here in North America have the longest migration of any land animal, over three thousand miles. So they migrate a long ways. In the summertime, they, they go up to the tundra uh, and the taiga in, uh, in Russia and northern northern Europe and Asia, um, get all those grasses and those other plants that they, they graze on. When winter comes and those are covered up with snow and ice, they actually migrate south so they still have food sources. And another interesting thing with uh, reindeer caribou is that in the summertime, their hooves are a lot softer. Their, their foot, their toe pads are hoof pads actually change. They're softer in the summertime. Mm-hmm. In the wintertime, they become much harder so they can break through that crusty snow or ice. And uh, hmm. so you'll see, you know, just like you see with the white-tailed deer in this area, when the, you got a little bit of snow cover, ice cover on that on those ground plants and they're trying to graze in the wintertime, you'll see where they've broken through that crust and actually with their hooves and actually found the grass and, that, so the, and plants underneath that snow. Uh, reindeer are also... The only mammal in the world specially adapted to eat lichen. Really? So they like a, a particular lichen. It's a spongy um, lichen that grows on rocks during harsh winter months, and it's known as reindeer moss. Hmm. And uh, it's broken down in the reindeer's stomach by an en- enzyme completely unique to reindeer. So something uh, neat with, uh, with, with those reindeer. Yeah. I didn't know that they could eat lichen. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> So uh, Santa's reindeer have been described in the past um, as eight tiny reindeer mm-hmm. in that famous poem, "Twas the Night oh, Before yes. Christmas. And the smallest subspecies of reindeer known as the Svalbard, which is in uh, the Scandinavian countries. So like Shetland ponies, these reindeer live on an island off Norway and may have island dwarfism as they are about 30% smaller than any other reindeer species. Hmm, that's uh, cool. The... Uh, yeah, the reindeer, uh, you know, they uh, stay stay in herds. Um, actually, uh, a lot of the indigenous peoples, uh, both in Eurasia and in North America, um, really subsist on or subsisted on caribou or reindeer. Uh, they got meat from them. They got tools from the bones and the antlers. Um, they used the fat for tallow. Um, they used everything basically from the from the animal. Oh. And uh, in, in, in Eurasia, most of the reindeer are actually domesticated. Okay. Um, so they uh, so they actually use them. They're reindeer herders or, far, or ranchers, farmers, if you will. And uh, so they actually use some of, a lot of places in in r- very rural areas still live off those that reindeer or caribou meat. All right. You want to yeah. do this again next weekend or next sure. week? Sure. All right. We'll, we'll see how snowy it is yeah, next week. Yeah, there you too. go. All it's, right. Uh, have a very Merry Christmas, my friend. Yes, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Uh, if you have questions or see something, or see something you want to think of, something you'd like me to talk about, um, contact me during the week at NatureWatch at Waddells.com. There you go. Thanks for right. listening to this edition of Nature Watch. Tune in each Saturday after 830 for Nature Watch, brought to you by Waddell's Nursery Floral Garden and Bird Center at the corner of Millam and 12th Street, 591069FM.